Welcome back to an all-new episode of DC TV Classics, your home for the history of DC on TV. I am one of your hosts, Keith Chow. Joining me again is the entire Classics crew. Let's kick it off with Brittany Monet. Hey guys, how's it going? I feel like it's been a while, but it actually really hasn't. No, yeah. we're on schedule. <laughs> we've been we've just been knocking them out of the park lately. It's it's kind of odd. <laughs> yeah, and we've all actually been able to be on these last few episodes, so it's great. And just thank you guys for accommodating with my crazy ass schedule. But oh, of um, course, excuse my language. As we mentioned, the entire crew is here, so let's welcome back Desiree Rodriguez. Hey guys, hope you're having a happy holiday. I am. I actually brought my mamita down to spend with me for a week. That's nice. Just Puerto Rican food all week long. It's been amazing. <laughs> uh, you don't get a lot of that in Jacksonville, I guess, right? No! <laughs> There's no places here. Rounding out the Classics crew, all the way live, Nick Lang. Hello. I'm alive. <laughs> you are alive. It is early in the morning. Uh, and same question to you. Is your, how is your holiday season going? It's uh, fine. It's not the best in the world, just because 2017 sucks. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but it, you know, it's okay. Um, you're, not, you're not anywhere near the wildfires, are you? Um, no, no. Okay. I'm, I'm a little bit away from it, uh, but, yeah, up kind of northwest of where I am in L.A. is on fire. Which is, actually, it's moving down. Yeah, it's going to Santa Barbara now. It's uh, it's kind of terrible. I mean, the world is literally on fire. So thank God it's yeah. over. But Merry Christmas! <laughs> this is this is our second Christmas episode. Last year was was our fir- I think was that the first time you came on, Nick, or maybe that was the second time. Uh, but you've been part of this podcast for about a year now, Nick. Holy cow! <laughs> it's yeah. amazing. And I think the Christmas episode was the first episode all four of us were together on the podcast, too. Maybe. I think that's right. I think that's when we announced that this would be the new crew going forward. I think we announced a little bit later. But this was was the first one, right? Yeah. This is the first one where we kind of like, okay, yeah, I think this is going to be the crew. Just, it is a joyous occasion. The true reason (laughs) for the season. For celebrating. Is is people (laughs) talking about old TV shows on a podcast. Yeah, specifically yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought we thought we'd celebrate the Christmas season this time by diving deeply into one of those episodes that we talked about in that first uh that momentous historic first episode. And the reason why I think this makes sense to talk about this particular episode is that this is also the weekend that a little tiny movie is debuting all over the world. You may have heard of it. It's called The Last Jedi. I never heard of it. <laughs> it's a little tiny <laughs> indie movie. So I thought we'd, we'd promote it a little bit here on DCTV Classics. By the time you guys are listening to this podcast, it will have been in theaters. I think it's safe to assume that the box office numbers will be a slightly higher than when we tried to predict the Justice League box office last time we did this. <laughs> um, yeah. At the time of the recording, we thought, you know, a certain movie would do better than it did. Uh, but I, I have strong confidence that The Last Jedi is probably going to be making a ton of money as you're listening to this podcast. Um, so in honor of that movie, in honor of The Last Jedi, and in honor of the holiday season, we thought we'd dive deeply into a very classic Batman the Animated Series episode. In fact, it was the second ever produced 
be Taz episode, although it was not the second aired, which is weird. We'll talk about that in, in a minute. It's the classic Batman episode, Christmas with the Joker. This was Nick's pick uh, for the Christmas episode last year. Yeah, it's a great episode. Yeah, it is. I love it. <laughs> so what we're going to we're going to dive into the plot. We're going to talk about all of the all of the stuff surrounding the, the episode, why why it's such a classic. And if you're wondering, why is Keith talking about Christmas with the Joker and Star Wars? Well, The Last Jedi features, finally, Mark Hamill back in a Star Wars movie because he really wasn't in The Force Awakens. No. <laughs> and Mark Hamill is also, in addition to being an iconic Star Wars character, he is probably the most iconic voice for the Joker. I know several actors have played the Joker, but I think... Most people would choose Mark Hamill as the best one. Is that a yeah. fair assessment? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's always been Mark Hamill and Keith Conroy as you know Joker and Batman. They're just, Kevin Conroy. Um, Kevin, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I get the, the Keith hasn't like. No, it's person. all good. The Keith Kevin thing. I don't know what it is. People call me Kevin all the time, so I always wondered. <laughs> I always wondered if people named Kevin get called Keith. So I guess that answers. Keith, that. you're my Batman. <laughs> Why did you say that name? Um, yeah. So yes, <laughs> Kevin Conroy, probably the most iconic Batman. Mark Hamill, probably the most iconic Joker. And for all you Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson and Cesar Romero fans, and the one or two Jared Leto fans out there, yes, they are also mostly great versions of the Joker. But I think anyone who reads a comic book hears Luke Skywalker's voice when they're when they're reading the Joker's line. That's true for me, and I'm assuming that's true for you guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for me, definitely. He's arguably the greatest hero and the greatest villain ever portrayed. There you go. And, you know, and yeah. and without <laughs> getting into Last Jedi spoilers, we'll see what happens there, right? That may be the case within Star Wars, oh, yeah. too. Who knows? Um, but this is not a Star Wars podcast. This is a Batman the... Well, this is not even a Batman the Animated Series podcast, although it feels like it sometimes. This is a DC TV classic podcast, and we're going to dive deep into Batman the Animated Series Christmas with the Joker. So let's set the stage a little bit. Batman the Animated Series debuted 25 years ago this year, 1992, September of 1992. Wow. Which is, yeah, amazing. So, like, you, some of you guys were in diapers when the show debuted. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, the airing order of these episodes is different from the production order of the episodes, which is a, is a phenomenon that I never understood. Most people credit, as, as is the case, if you watch these on DVD, On Leather Wings as the first Batman the Animated Series episode. However, it was not the first episode that aired in 1992. And I remember this because I was, I was a kid when, when the show came out, and I remember being really excited for the announcement of the show and waiting with bated breath that September afternoon when it first debuted on Fox. And it was an episode called The Cat and the Claw, which was about Catwoman and a, a different villain named Red Claw. Red Claw, yeah. Which I don't think, I think was a create was she a creation of Deanie and Tim, or was she like a obscure comic character? I don't know. But... I, I think she was created for the show. Yeah. I, I, could, I could be wrong, but as a kid I was like, yeah, that's Catwoman's main villain. <laughs> exactly. And and we got to remember that the animated series debuted the same year that Batman Returns. And so all of the hype surrounding Batman Returns, and for the people who watched it and actually liked it, because I know a lot of people didn't like it when it came out, it was exciting to see kind of like an animated continuation of Batman Returns, because 
a lot of the aesthetic was similar, that kind of gothic aesthetic. The Batmobile is kind of a variation of the Tim Burton Batmobile. Selena Kyle was blonde, like Michelle Pfeiffer. The Penguin had weird claw hands, like Danny DeVito. Like, there were <laughs> elements of Batman Returns that were, they were kind of carried through. The The music, was Shirley Walker kind of adapted the Danny Elfman theme, and I think Elfman actually worked on the main title themes for the anime. So there was, there was a lot of hype for Batman in 1992. So... I say all that to say, this show debuted, and it was amazing right off the bat. And for some reason, the the network aired the show out of order. Because The Cat and the Claw was actually a two-part episode. But the, mm-hmm. the episode that aired the next day, because this was a daily show, it wasn't, it wasn't weekly like shows are now. Because it was a kid's show, it was a kid's cartoon, so they aired it yeah. every day. The next day was actually the first episode on Leather Wings. This was an episode that... Andrea Letamendi referenced in our psychology episode, because that's the one where uh, it's a man-bat episode, and you see the blimps flying around, and they're talking about like the flying man and stuff like that, referencing man-bat. So that's, that was actually the first episode ever, but it was the second episode aired. And then you didn't actually get the part two of Cat and the Claw for like, it took a week no. for the next episode. It was a really weird, and I, before we get into Christmas with the Joker, does anyone know why they they aired the shows out of order? I mean, they weren't chronological, except for the fact that part two of Cat and the Claw didn't come out for another for another five episodes. But do you have any sense of why they just showed the sh- show out of order? Um, no. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm My guess is they just didn't care. But I don't know. Maybe I would understand why they would do Christmas with the Joker out of order. Like, if right. they were waiting for, you know, December to air that one, I'm not sure if they did. I think it was, like, uh, mid-November it came out. It was... Okay, that's so, close. like, enough. yeah, closer to the holiday season. Yeah, but I, I do not get why they would play one part of a two-parter <laughs> first and then say, take that, kids, you ain't gonna find it out. It's like, I remember it, like, um... You know, it played in the mornings, I'm I'm pretty sure. Actually, I think Maybe it might have been prime time, like the first, when it first debuted. It may have really? debuted in prime time on Fox. I don't know. I could be wrong. It was 25 years I, ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. But I do remember uh, just loving that show instantly. Everyone loved the show. It was immediately the best show of all time. In my opinion. But yeah, I uh, yeah, I don't know why they would air it out of order. They're, yeah. they're just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason that it makes a big deal for this particular episode of our podcast is that Christmas with the Joker was actually the second episode. So again, if you watch this on DVD, it doesn't the the airing order doesn't matter now, right? Because no one's watching this on the air. Everyone's watching this on Blu-ray because Batman the Animated Series is coming to Blu-ray. And eventually on the, the streaming app when DC comes out with that. But the reason that it's a big deal is that Christmas with the Joker is actually the very first appearance of the Joker in the Batman the Animated Series show. Even though if you watched it in real time in 1992, it was like his fifth or sixth appearance. Because uh, yeah. they were they showed like Joker's favor before that. They showed almost got him before it. So there were several episodes where you had already met the Joker when this was intended to be the first time you meet the Joker. So that's it's why also I, the first time you meet Robin, right? Right, I, I believe so because Robin's not in on Leather Wings, right? And he just kind of shows up. It, they don't have an intro for him. They don't talk about <laughs> why Batman is alone. Sometimes they're just like, "Yeah, Robin's just there when he needs to be." What? Well, part of the story is that he's in he college school, or something. You know, yeah, he, has, he can't be Robin all the time. He's he's got to go do that homework. 
And he's guess, a, he's uh, in like, he's in college, I think, in the animated series. He's not a he's yeah. not like a kid. He's like a. Well, like, when when he first adopts Dick Grayson in the animated series, isn't he a young kid? And then he grows up. No, I, I, don't I do so. not remember exactly what so. happens in Robin's Reckoning. Is when they kind of go back and show his origin, right? Yeah, that and that's all in flashback because he's at he's back at the circus and they flash back to when when Bruce first met him. But, I don't know. This show's literally as old as I am, so I wasn't <laughs> on in '92. I do have a, a theory about why they would maybe air the episodes out of order because I know Fox did the same thing to Firefly, mm-hmm. and that was. That was because they were like, oh, well, I think this episode would pull audiences in right. easier. And I'm wondering if, you know, when the animated series first aired, that's what their thought process was. They were like, well, we can't air a Christmas episode second with the big bad guy. Like, that's not going to get kids watching. Like, let's do five other appearances first because these ones are better for him. And, you know, they probably just... People think kids are stupid. Yeah. Like, well, especially not true. especially thirty years ago, and I think and and maybe starting with the Cat and the Claw really was trying to take advantage of Batman Returns and starting with the Catwoman episode, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you just saw Catwoman on screen. Here's the you know as we launch this new show. Here's here's again my my child addled mind was like, oh, this must be a continuation of the movie, and yeah. it, it's what kind of maybe let's show this version and then we'll. Go back in regular order. Still doesn't explain why part two didn't come out for another five days, but whatever. <laughs> so let's dive into it. So Christmas with the Joker. It's Christmas time in Gotham City. Some of my favorite interactions in this episode, and we should lay lay the plot down real quick. It's Christmas, and Batman and Robin are patrolling, but it's Christmas, so no one is actually doing anything. Uh, so they kind of figure. We can take some time off, eat a Christmas goose, watch It's a Wonderful Life, have fun. And in the meantime, the Joker has escaped Arkham Asylum and is now, uh, as he's wont to do, hijacking the Gotham City cable channels. And he's kidnapped Commissioner Gordon, Harvey Bullock, and the reporter Summer Gleason. And he's making them, he's making Batman watch him do terrible things to them. Uh, until Batman saves the day. So that's that's the general plot line. And we'll dive into each segment of the show now. But before we get into the plot breakdown, what's everyone's general opinion of this episode? We'll start with you, Brittany. What is your? You said you just watched it to kind of refresh your memory. What's your general opinion of Christmas with the Joker? I like it, and I think it's like obviously one of the most iconic ones, and that's where the you know the Jingle Bells Batman version comes from. That. Well, that everyone knows when they go like Batman smells and Robin laying an egg. That's where that comes from, or at least that's what I know that where it comes from. So I don't know. I feel like there's just so many iconic moments in this episode, and it's such like like you said, it's just such a good Joker episode. Even if it is around Christmas time, it's fun, and you really get to like live with Mark Hamill as a Joker more in this episode than I think any other episode. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the Batman version of Jingle Bells predated this episode because I know when I was a little kid, people were singing that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. But that just shows yeah. how old I am, and not necessarily <laughs> anything about the the song itself. But I, th- I mean, and that's kind of what makes it hilarious is that this parody song of Jingle Bells that that little children had been singing for so long is actually in canon in the Batman universe now because the Joker sings it. Desiree, what are your over since you were, as you said, uh, an infant when this first aired? <laughs> What are your general opinions of this particular episode and why it's kind of become so iconic that Joker in the red sweater 
became a popular DC Collectibles action figure last year, which I know you must be familiar with since you work at a comic shop, that, that people can, can actually buy the Joker in the red sweater. Don't, don't remind me of all the statues that I can't afford to keep. <laughs> I, I mean, I I think it's just because, like, it's the it's like the Joker at his best. Like, he's evil, but in a, in a really engaging, kind of fun way. You know, he's messing up Christmas. And what I really liked about the episode, I, like, I'm a huge fan of, like, the Bat family, as a concept, like I think that's what something that the like the Nolan movies had missed was not including his family, because um, then Bruce is just you know an angry white guy um, that has money. <laughs> so I love that Robin was was there, and you know Dick was like, "Let's watch a Wonderful Life," and Bruce is like, "No, I'm angsty." And <laughs> it's like you know, and then the Christmas stuff happens, and he's like, "Okay, let's watch a Wonderful Life." Like I could use some normalcy, and <clears throat> Alfred is just like, "Thank God, here's some cinnamon like hot chocolate thing or whatever which people drink." <laughs> so I think like it just has all the elements of like a really good batman story it's Mm self-contained um you know the joker's in it and he's doing his thing and then you have you know batman and robin you know fighting against the joker and at the end of the episode they they come together like there's that great family moment at the end you know where they do sit down and they watch a wonderful life and it it adds a little levity to like the superhero actionness by showing that like yeah, there's there's a family side to Bruce too. You know, he he has adopted this young boy or this young man or whatever, and they do spend Christmas together in between dressing up in brightly colored costumes. Well, in <laughs> and, Rob's case, and punching um, people. Yeah, and punching people. You know, so for me, that's what I really liked about the episode. Of course, the song too. Like I remember Cartoon Network used to air a commercial around Christmas time for using that song, and then mm-hmm. in Justice League, Flash even references the song. In um, gosh, what episode? It was it was an episode where like they turned themselves in um, to like Waller and the crew, and Flash actually references the song and stuff. And I was like, yes, that's so cute. Um, so yeah, but that's that's what made the episode special for me was the the kind of balance, which is I think what makes the show overall like really great is that it had such a great balance of you know here's that superhero action stuff that you know everybody wants and expects from a superhero property. But here's also the, you know, the the interpersonal relationships that are going on in Bruce's life. You know, whether they're between him and, you know, his, his adopted children or him and Gordon or him and, you know, Selena Kyle or, you know, Mask of Phantasm, like, was all about, you know, one part action and then one part the deep interpersonal relationship between him and Andrea. You know, so, yeah, that's, that's what made the episode special for me. Plus, it's Christmas, it's the holidays, I love that snap. <laughs> So let's get into let's get into uh, the episode itself. It starts off, and this is, I think, the piece that Nick likes to reference when he brings up Christmas with the Joker. It came up in our conversation with Doctor Letamendi, and it starts off in Arkham Asylum. It's a festive time at Arkham. The inmates are really into decorating a Christmas tree, which is pretty cool. It's when you hear the Joker singing the Batman version of the Jingle Bell song where Batman smells and Robin lays an egg. And ironically, the Joker sings the line, the Joker gets away, just as he puts the golden ornament on top and rocket boosters emerge from the bottom of the tree and he shoots off into space. Um, Nick, what is it about this opening that you love so much? It's a, a guy on a, on a rocket <laughs> Christmas tree. <laughs> Funny. It's pretty self-explanatory. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that it's. I think it's really good. It's like what a strong choice. They're like, you know what? You know how he escapes? <laughs> he rockets out on a Christmas tree. Yeah. What are the logistics of sneaking of a 
Yeah, that's that always confused me. I was like, the Joker is in, you know, this institution. How did he get rockets in in there? How did he get it onto the tree? I guess I could buy it if, like, you know, he had things delivered to him, and as they were decorating the tree, he, like, sneakily set it up in there. I could buy it that he had, like, people on the inside that they were, like, delivered this tree, and it was a rocket. Um, but you just go, like, I, I guess that makes sense. But I'm like, how did how did Joker steer the rocket? How did, he, like, did he train to hold on to a rocket as it shot through a window and then out across the city? I'm like, that's a brave thing to do um, he deserves to get out if that's if he's gonna go to those yeah, lengths exactly you just go like he could have you know blown up the the wall but no he went the extra mile <laughs> and that's really what animated joker is all about and i think that it just sums up the whole episode right in that first thing you just go the joker you know he really does care about the holidays <laughs> Well, that's the thing. That's the thing I love too. Is that my favorite piece beyond the the crazy Christmas tree that's a rocket is just how into the holidays the inmates are. It's a very festive opening to the show. You know, like they're decorating, they're giving presents to each other, they're smiling, they may be drinking eggnog in the back. Who knows? That's it's just kind of cool to see a bunch of supervillains celebrating Christmas because again, that's what the holidays are all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really did help with, like, the thinking Arkham wasn't that bad. You go, like, <laughs> that's where they all live, and then every once in a while they come out and, you know, cause some mischief. But, um, but yeah, but really, they they all love each other, and that's, they, that's, a yeah. good, that's a good sign. You know who else loves Christmas? Dick Grayson. Robin yes. loves yeah. him some Christmas. In fact, as he and Batman are patrolling the snowy streets of Gotham, Robin just won't shut up about Christmas. And Batman is like, shut up, Robin. We need to patrol. But because it's Christmas and Batman is pretty bored. There's no bad guys. In fact, the only time Batman gets super excited is when he sees a man chase down an old lady. And he's about to punch the ever-living snot out of the man. And it turns out the lady dropped her box and he's just giving it back to him. And Batman is so dejected that he can't punch the living crap out of this guy that uh, you feel kind of feel bad for Batman. Batman needs a chill. Yeah. It's funny, though, because he's on edge the whole, like, beginning of the episode. He's like, no, something's going to go wrong. I know it. Like, I know something's going to go wrong. And it's like, I feel like he just put that energy in the universe that they're like, yeah, okay. And the Joker, like, just felt it. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to mess up Christmas with Batman. Everything is Batman's fault. Yeah. I can feel that. Yeah. Yeah, you you do just really go like, yeah, Batman's best friends are the villains, you know. And he, was, he he's like, why isn't the Joker doing anything fun for me? And then and then the Joker follows up, you know. He really cares. The only one who's excited about Christmas is Robin, and in fact, he's he makes a wager with Batman that if they don't find any, if they can't find any bad guys, that they'll call it night and go back to Wayne Manor and watch It's a Wonderful Life. And Batman begrudgingly agrees. Although when they get back to Wayne Manor, he's like, we could have done one more sweep of the city because he is a jerk and doesn't want to celebrate Christmas. He's kind of a jerk, but he's also right in the episode. (laughs) 
Like, he is right. Like, the Joker yeah. did escape and is planning some crap. Sure. But, but like you said, he does it for he does terrible. it for Batman though, right? Like that's the Yeah. Because it because he they care about each other. So it's the the there's truth in that scene from the Lego movie when uh the Joker starts crying when Batman is pretending like he doesn't love him. That's so funny. I love that scene. <laughs> After their, or I think before their Christmas goose comes to the table, which, which I, this is the other weird part. So they're at the table and Alfred's like, I'm about to bring out your bird. And then they go, well, then we're going to watch a movie anyway. And it's like, Alfred just said he was going to serve you dinner. But anyway, um, they leave <laughs> the table. Alfred needs a vacation. Like, <laughs> He needs yeah. a vacation. He needs to go to like a nice island for a couple months. Like, just get pictures of the kids every now and again. <laughs> drink little drinks with umbrellas or whatever that stuff is. I, he just needs a break. So they go into. The, I guess it's it's the Wayne Manor theater room is right off the living room, which is awesome. <laughs> um, yes. Because it's not a living room. Like they have the giant screen. It's amazing. It's it's the kind of home theater I want. <laughs> and they're about to sit down and watch It's a Wonderful Life. And Batman, of course, is complaining the entire time. He's like, I hope it's not too cheery. And and Robin, <laughs> Robin's like, no, it's great. It's about one guy and how much he uh, affects the city or something like that. You'll like it. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, every channel, though, is dedicated to the Joker. Because if there's one staple of a Joker plot, it's hijacking the television signal. Yeah. Every Joker... In every incarnation, does it? This might be the reason yeah. I don't like Jared Leto because Jared Leto never hijacked a television signal in Suicide Squad. Heath yeah. Ledger did it. Cesar Romero did yeah. it. Jack Nicholson yeah. did it. You have to do it. Yeah, even Heath Ledger. Isn't that isn't that crazy? <laughs> they did a good yeah. job. They knew. They knew what are the iconic elements of the Joker. And one of them is broadcasting yourself on TV. Yeah, he loves that. And of course, he's he's also in the festive mood, he's wearing his red sweater, and he's got he's got a giant Christmas tree, and, and he informs the viewing public that It's a Wonderful Life will not be on air tonight. Instead, you get to see Christmas with the Joker. Batman finally perks up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's no longer a Scrooge. He's like, yes, I can finally celebrate Christmas by punching someone in the face. And they work to try to find where the signal is coming from. In the meantime, we learn that Christmas with the Joker, uh, there isn't a studio audience. This is one of the best touches of oh, the I episode. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it says studio audience. Tell, Brittany, tell me about the studio audience in Christmas with the Joker. So the studio audience is cardboard, like, cutout things of, like, established characters that you know. <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's Batman, there's Robin. I don't even know. Was, I know, like, Gordon is one of them. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the other police guy's name, but he's there. Yeah, and um, there's other like there's other there are other characters that you recognize that are like just sitting there (laughs) with their cardboard cutouts, and he keeps talking like he's talking to them, and he has like a laugh track and the (laughs) the awe track and the clapping. It's so funny because it's just the cardboard cutouts. Well, and and going back to the theme of family that Desiree talks about, the reason why Joker's doing what he's doing is that he's doing this. Because he wanted a family of his own. And he unveils none other than Commissioner Gordon, Summer Gleason, the reporter, and Harvey Bullock, the police officer. And they have been tied up, and they have candy canes stuck in their mouth. And they are going to be murdered unless Batman can find them. And the Joker unveils a fourth person, who's not a victim, it's his assistant, and Nick. 
<laughs> yeah. Please tell them, yeah. tell our listeners about Laffy the Christmas Elf. Yeah, Laffy the Christmas Elf is is one of my favorite parts of the whole episode. <laughs> just Joker painted lips onto his hand and put little eyes on his hand, like now uh, when you talk with i'm doing it right now you you all can't see it but i can see it where you talk with your thumb you kind of make like a fist and then your thumb can move and it looks like a little mouth going and joker talks to him making he just talks to himself and he and he you can see his lips moving and everything but he's just like talking to this little elf and he's going like Gee whiz, Joker! I just love blowing up widgets. And um, he's like a really funny little little thing, and I don't get why they didn't bring it back for more episodes. <laughs> I really like that. Um, yeah, it's like very. Uh, again, it's like the the animated show just did a great job with Joker. They knew how to make him funny while having it be eerie as well. It right, was eerie right. and funny. Because the thing like, about Laffy is what he's announcing is the fact that, oh yeah, Batman and Robin, your whole thing is just find me before midnight and I won't kill your friends. Oh, by the way, at 11.30, the train with all of these passengers is going to blow up. The bridge yeah. carrying the train is going to blow up, and so yeah, I'm only I'm also murdering a hundred, couple hundred people, but you know I'm saying it in the in the voice of a crazy little elf fist, <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's okay. Do you? What th- I like about sorry, what I like about the like the, how they have the candy canes in their mouth, where they can just spit out the candy canes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like well, I always wondered out. that. Like that's another kidnapping trope. They like you. St- shove a sock in someone's mouth and they can't talk and i'm always wondering why they don't just spit the sock out a sock makes sense because it like swells up in your mouth or like Uh, it's big you know your mouth is like open so wide that you can't spit it out right but the candy cane i guess (laughs) just tastes so good (laughs) they don't want to spit it out it's you could have you could have had you could have had sweet tooth as the villain for this even there oh, you yeah. go. Christmas <laughs> with Sweet Tooth. I feel like that's a that's a new musical that needs to happen. I'm just saying. Yeah, just the Christmas special. <laughs> yeah, the Christmas Christmas <laughs> with Sweet Tooth, I think, would be great. Um, yeah. Needless to say, Batman and Robin save the passengers from the train. Wait, what happens after that? Yeah, they save the people from the train. Batman figures out that the TV signal is coming from... The observatory. Uh, right. They go to the observatory, and, like, the telescope or something turns into a gun and starts shooting at Batman and Robin. They have to get away from that. And then they're, the kind of, the trail goes cold, and Robin's like, it's almost midnight, Batman. Holy, <laughs> holy, oh, holy night, Batman. It's almost midnight. <laughs> um, well, what, aren't then, there Joker statues? Eventually, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I actually, I did not rewatch the whole <laughs> oh, episode Nick. in preparation for this. I was like, I remember it. I rewatched some parts of it, um, but I did not. I skipped the the observatory part because I was like, all right, we get it. I think because that's also the part I forgot too, and I think there's because there's a link between the train. And when they go to the toy factory, and I think it's because yeah. I don't know if it's the it's, Joker statues well, or there's something they find in the observatory. It's because Joker eventually 
basically tells them where he is. Ah. Because it, it's after they fail at the, the observatory, they can't find Joker. Robin's like, it's almost midnight. Batman says, only a miracle will help us find the Joker now. And then the Joker comes back on the TV. He does the upside down face. Oh, right. He's drawn new mm-hmm. face on his chin. And he goes like, oh, where's Batman? He's not showing up. He's spoiling my Christmas party. And then he goes, oh, well, maybe Batman doesn't know how to get here. And then he <laughs> has right. Summer Gleason open the, the doll. present, and it's a Betty Blooper doll. That's right. And yeah. that gives Batman the clue to say, oh, those were produced by this company, this LAFCO company or whatever it's called, and which has been out of business, but Joker must be at the old factory. And so that's when they, they fight. That's when they fight the Nutcrackers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, this is such a great episode. Like it's, it's kind of the it's the one episode that if you love Batman and you love Christmas, right? Like Batman tropes and Christmas tropes. There's no better yeah. mashup than this. Episode. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And I also like would always go see the Nutcracker Ballet like every year almost <laughs> for Christmas when I was a kid. So. Anytime I watch this episode and then they start playing the Nutcracker music, I'm just like, yes, this is just everything for me. It's great. I love it. So eventually, Batman and, and Robin make their way through. It's almost like a gauntlet of fighting against different kinds of evil toys. It's almost like a Toy Man episode in that sense, right? Because they're fighting the, the toy soldier Nutcrackers. They're, mm-hmm. there's like, there's like, aren't there like toy planes shooting at them? I think so. And then there's like a giant teddy bear that they hide behind. Which which would make a yeah. great trophy for the Batcave. I feel like there should be a giant teddy bear in the Batcave <laughs> yeah. alongside the penny and the dinosaur. I like that Robin was like, can we take it home, Batman? Gee whiz. <laughs> Batman like, I don't know about a giant teddy bear. We get like a T-Rex. Isn't that <laughs> <laughs> and this is when we find, again, the other, the other classic Joker trope is the elaborate death trap. And when they finally find the hostages, they're, they're being... Um, dangled over like lava or something <laughs> it's a, a, vat, a vat of boiling hot wax oh right because it's a toy factory and of course he's going to drop them into yeah he's going to drop them into the vat if batman doesn't get his christmas present and i love that this whole thing is just about here's just a, a way for me to give batman his christmas present this was this whole thing has been couched as and as you as you alluded to earlier batman's only happy when he's when he has the opportunity to punch people in the face and 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 save people <laughs> desiree if this hadn't happened if if the joker never escaped arkham and he never went through this elaborate death trap how do you envision bruce's christmas i feel like Bruce is one of those people that, like, complains and can't shut up about it. Like, he would have just been making comments all night, or, like, if... I mean, thank goodness this was 92, otherwise he would have had his phone on looking at news reports from the Gotham Gazette, <laughs> like, looking for crime the entire time, and Dick is just like, why can't I just have a decently normal childhood? Why can't you just, like, you know, be a bro for, like, five seconds and watch this damn movie with me? <laughs> um, so I do think that, like, Bruce kind of needs that because he has, like, that pathological desire and need to, like, protect his city that he gets lost in, like, the mission. I mean, you kind of saw that in Batman Beyond where, like, he got so lost in the mission that, like, everybody else left him. And you can't really blame them because it's, like, Bruce, chill. Maybe? No? Okay. So, I think the Joker actually did him a favor. I think, in a way, the Joker actually gave him, like, a really great gift. And he got his got his feeling of, like, protecting the city 
for a night, so his paranoia was satisfied, and then he was able to kind of go back home and be like, okay, I feel better. Let's watch this movie. Well, because the best part is that the present that Joker wants to give is, you think, you know, when Batman opens it, it's going to be, you know, acid that shoots in his face or some sort of violent death trap for Batman. But Nick, what does he find when he opens the present? Yeah, yeah, he gets the present. Robin's like, don't open it, Batman! <laughs> and then Batman's like, it's alright, Robin. And there's what? dramatic music, and then he opens it up, and a pie <laughs> shoots in his face. And then the and then the Joker just laughs at him, and that's a great moment, because you go like, it was all so that Joker could throw pie in Batman's face. <laughs> that's really all he wanted to do. Just have a good Christmas laugh. After the laugh, though, the Joker still decides, I'm going, oh, by the way, I'm also going to kill your friends. <laughs> yeah, he, like, casually does it. He's still laughing about the pie, and he goes, oh, yeah, I just got to snip this uh, rope holding these people. But Batman catches him very easily. Yeah, because he's yeah. Batman. But then I think the highlight of the episode, though, is that after he saves his friends, Joker almost slips and falls into the vat of boiling acid, or the vat of boiling plastic and batman saves joker which is yeah. which is something that movie batman and i don't mean ben affleck i mean every single movie batman would not do <laughs> Mo- okay. movie batmans love to kill their villains uh but animated batman doesn't and what does batman say to joker when he when he pulls him up from the sure death he says he says merry christmas joker and then joker does bah humbug oh yeah that caught before that there's also a really nice moment when joker's getting away and batman tries to catch him and joker slides out he wiggles out of his sweater and he has another sweater oh, yeah. i love it when they do that kind of stuff could you ever envision a live action version of this in any form. I would, I would love to see it. I that's why, you know, it's like Heath Ledger love him, but it's like, you know, he didn't wriggle out of his sweater, <laughs> another sweater underneath and he he never put a pie in Batman's face. Can you imagine oh. Ben Affleck and Jared Leto doing Oh god. In, in, I, I can't in, imagine them in the doing next it. in the next live action Batman movie. <laughs> then no. like the next Matt Reeves Batman movie should be Christmas with the Joker. I can't imagine them doing it. I don't feel like it would just be overly like uh, moody and dark <laughs> that you're just like, oh, you just suck the fun out of Christmas. With what, the what's what's the grim dark <laughs> version of Christmas with the Joker? Is what I'm trying to get at. I, I don't know. They would probably like uh, cut the pie bit, and I there would be no like double sweater Joker. <laughs> it was yeah. I don't know. It just probably wouldn't be as like funny i think i don't know are we talking about jared leto joker <laughs> sure he's the easy current live action joker i don't know i i don't want to think about it um he he'd get another tattoo <laughs> um, you know i wonder if the if and i know you guys have probably to the best of your ability suppressed any memory of suicide squad but if you recall the jared leto joker has a smiley face tattooed on his hand do you think mm-hmm. in any way that's a uh, homage to laffy the christmas elf <laughs> or is it just a stupid oh, way for, for they, the joker to have the joker smile on his person they had somewhere. the opportunity to do laffy in live action and they passed it up they didn't realize it <laughs> 
<laughs> you ma- uh, can you imagine how much better you would have loved Suicide Squad if instead of covering his mouth with his Joker smile tattoo, he turned his hand around and started doing Laffy the Christmas Elf? <laughs> yeah. I think you uh, would have but, changed your opinion of that movie. Um, y- yeah, maybe slightly. <laughs> I don't know if anything could save that movie. Desiree, later Bruce and Dick go back to Wayne Manor. They're watching It's a Wonderful Life. Have we changed Bruce's mind at all? Is he is he finally in the Christmas spirit? Yeah, because at the end he's like, oh, okay, so this movie has some good parts. Because, you know, Bruce, he can't be like, yeah, I totally was wrong. I'm sorry about that, Dick. <laughs> yeah. Bruce can apologize. I'm halfway wrong, but I can't be fully wrong. And the Joker proves that. And Dick Grayson is just like, could you not use your evil villains that try to, like, kill people as a way to prove that you're, you're right about this? Could you not? Maybe? Okay. <laughs> um, I love Sassy Bat Family. Like, that's that's what the movies are missing. They need more sassy Bat Family. But I do think at the end, like, you know, Bruce realizes, like, you know, I can have my super, you know, fight in, protect the cityness, and also spend time with this young boy that I adopted and be actually, like, a human being for, like, an hour for Christmas. <laughs> so I do think he gets into the, the spirit at least a little bit. So, um, I mean, I would think that, like, Bruce as a kid... His Christmases were probably really lonely, considering his parents were dead. Like, he had Alfred and stuff, but there's probably just those two in that giant media room. Just, <laughs> you know. Probably not watching It's a Wonderful Life. He's probably, I don't know, singing emo goth songs. Are there emo yeah. Christmas goth songs? I, I'm sure. We should find it. We sh- yeah, Fall Up Boy has one. It's oh, called really? You'll Shoot Your Eye Out. <laughs> Brittany, I love that you know that. Uh, Fall Out Boy is my favorite band, and I just saw them last month. I don't know if you guys saw, but I saw Fall Out Boy, and then I saw Bruno Mars the week before. And they sang the, the Christmas song? No, but they did oh. when I saw them back in 2008. They played their Christmas song, because it, like, it was like a December show when I had saw them. So they played You'll Shoot Your Eye Out. I like the idea of Batman watching How the Grinch Stole Christmas and going like, Alfred, we have to stop that man. <laughs> Alfred's going, sit down, sir, it's a cartoon. <laughs> we have to stop him. Yeah. He's stealing Christmas right out from under our noses. I, I like to think at the end of Christmas with the Joker, it's not really the adventure that Batman went on. It's that the movie It's a Wonderful Life is so good. Batman's won over. He goes like, you know what, it's a good movie. <laughs> Meanwhile, Joker, the the tag on the episode is the Joker alone, back in Arkham Asylum. No Christmas tree rocking in sight. And yet, he seems pretty chipper about the whole affair. As if yeah. this is what he wanted all along. He never wanted to murder Commissioner Gordon or Summer Gleason. Maybe Harvey Bullock. <laughs> all he wanted was for Batman to come and stop him so he could throw a pie in his face. And he seems happy about the whole affair. Yeah. And that is yeah. the Batman-Joker relationship in a nutshell. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah, I think that the animated series gets is is certainly my favorite version of the Joker. I yeah. I think that the Joker works better, honestly, when there are restrictions on what he can do. I think when he's so super evil, like killing an amusement park full of kids and all that kind of garbage, he becomes just. It becomes so stupid that Batman doesn't just let him die, fall to his death, and the many times he's fallen off of bridges and trains and things like that. (laughs) Um, You go like, I like it when Joker 
is mainly concerned with being funny and because uh, you go like that makes sense he's his theme is joking and I think that the the animated series does a good job of going like he's gonna be creepy but he's mainly gonna be very funny and um and he has the thing of like he likes doing it he he you know he likes doing these antics that's why he keeps doing it. he likes it when batman catches him he likes all this stuff in the animated series he does want to kill batman right um <laughs> which is different than like heath ledger joker who's just a little more infuriating because he doesn't want to kill batman he just wants to mess with him for all of time right um <laughs> So you go like, which is I, kind I of do... cool too. Which like I was about to say though, like one of the one of the things that I think the Dark Knight kind of gets about the Joker, and I don't know if it's if Christian Bale Batman really is the opposite of the, that version of the Joker and that version of the Batman aren't like the as iconic as these two, but they kind of get at this idea like when he's hanging upside down at the end and he's talking about we're going to do this forever, and it's that's a version of the Batman and Joker that we'd never get outside of the animated series, right? Like the yeah. the yeah. The Batman eighty nine, like Michael Keaton Batman, just drops him off a building, <laughs> and then yeah. and you don't get that sense if for the brief interaction that they have in Suicide Squad that Affleck Batman and Leto Joker have that kind of relationship either. I think the closest thing is that Har- when Harley says "You're ruining date night, Batsy," like that's probably the closest to any kind of recognizable version of those characters. But mm-hmm. for the most part, you're right that this this kind of this back and forth of it's not that the Joker is an agent of chaos and the Batman is an, ag- an agent of like order or, or a symbol of order. It's just it's this kind of back and forth that they have. That they that as much as the the Batman needs to stop the Joker, the Joker needs to be stopped by Batman. It's like the Joker had an evil plot and he gets stopped by like Superman and he's upset about it. Like that would be amazing <laughs> because like he didn't want Superman to stop. I wanted Batman to stop me. You know. <laughs> That like that's yeah. kind of that's the kind of Joker I think that yeah, yeah like he's doing something and Flash shows up and he goes ah forget it <laughs> and he just turns himself <laughs> in because he's like it's not what I wanted <laughs> oh, man Flash I would have taken Superman <laughs> like where's Batman oh Batman's predisposed <laughs> right now mm-hmm. uh, before we wrap up though the last thing I want to talk about is that. You know, as iconic as we've been saying that this version of Joker is, as, as much as we all associate Mark Hamill with the Joker, I think one of the amazing things about this particular episode is that this is the first time Mark Hamill does the Joker. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Like, this is such an iconic moment, and if you think about it, this is his initial stab at being the Joker. I think it's great because, like, again, if you hadn't have said that it didn't, if they didn't air in, like, production order, I wouldn't have known just because it felt like he was... He had Joker for a while. He lived in it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that also goes to show that, like, you know, voice acting is just as important as when you see people on camera. Like, you have to still put so much into it and embody that character as well as you can, even if you're just using your voice, which I don't think voice acting gets a lot of credit. So I think with it being the first episode that he's done, it just shows how talented Mark Hamill is and... You know how much work really goes into voice acting, which yeah. I think is amazing and wonderful. Yeah, I agree with Brittany. I actually love Brittany's point about like voice acting and like people don't really give it enough credit. I mean, who would these characters be without Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy like voicing them? Mm-hmm. Like, bring so much to the roles. You know, if 
you kind of fall like the wayside. You don't really care about the voice acting. You get crappy voice acting. Like, and that's happened with some of the DC animated movies. Like, some of the voice acting just wasn't that good. And it's it's a problem that I've had with like some of the, like even the the Hollywood like Ghibli movies. Um, is that they get kind of crummy voice actors, you know, just because they want, like, a big name. Like, what's Amy Poehler doing on a Ghibli movie? Like, she's a great (laughs) comedian, but she was a terrible voice actress. Like, Phil Lamar as Samurai Jack or as Jon Stewart, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, those, that voice, like, rings to life the character, and they're so different. Right. You know? And all the Justice League actors, like, they all had, like, a specific thing that just made those characters come alive. So... You know, yeah, I think that I love that Brittany made that point because I think it's so important to like, you know, realize that and respect that it's such an art. And I mean, for me, the best Joker laugh, because that's always a debate among fans, right? Like who has the best Joker laugh? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it's just it's always Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like that scene in Return of the Joker where Tim goes. I mean, spoiler alert, guys, you know, but this movie really old. <laughs> um, but where Tim becomes the Joker and he starts laughing. I mean, everything in that scene was brilliant. Like, the, the setup, the tension, the animation, but also the voice acting. Like, when he starts to laugh, it sends chills down your spine. It's amazing. You know, and I feel like Mark Hamill, like, embodied the character so well through his voice, and he has the iconic Joker laugh. Mm-hmm. Mark Hamill, best Joker ever. That's not a controversial point. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting, because I know that... Originally, Tim Curry was cast as the Joker. That's right. That's right. Um, and then they replaced him because they were like, "He's too scary." Um, <laughs> and I'm I'm so bummed that they don't just release his recording. I would absolutely love to hear Tim Curry as the Joker because you kind of go like, "No, duh, he should have played the Joker <laughs> at some point." And and um, if and if you're listening out there and you 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 may have heard the name Tim Curry but you can't place who he is he was the original Pennywise the clown in it and of course uh, he's also famous for in Rocky Horror Picture Dr. Show as yeah, Doctor Frankenfurter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, Tim Curry. Um, you know, I would have loved to see it, but you know, then you go. They were recasting, and they brought in Mark Hamill, and he just you know he knocked it out of the park. And I read somewhere mm-hmm. that he like listen to musical instruments to to work on the Joker laugh of like saying the Joker's laugh itself has to express his emotion, how he's feeling. And you watch the show and listen to him and you go, he has so many different laughs. He's got like, you know, the sinister kind of quieter laugh mm-hmm. that's more like a yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. Which is kind of what the Batman Beyond one where he starts off like that. Yeah, uh, and he can go through, he can escalate to where he eventually ends, like, in this wild, mad laughing, when he's going like that, (laughs) kind of stuff. I take it back, Nick Lang has the best Joker laugh. No, 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 no. Um, So you go like, Mark Hamill really did, and I know that, like, for a long time, Mark Hamill refuse to do the voice right. in front of people. Right. He, or he'd, and, make, he'd and, make you turn around. Yeah, he'd make you turn around, or he'd, like, put his arm over his face when he did it. Um, and you go, like, that's that's some serious actor stuff. He, like, <laughs> went to... He went to a different world when he became the Joker. 
Um, Have I, you guys checked and, out the Justice League action episode where Mark Hamill plays every voice? Oh, when, when he is like trickster, and he's Mark Hamill, and he's the Joker. Joker. Yeah, and then he plays, and then who are the uh, the Swamp Thing that like help out at the end? It's a really, it's, it's only like five minutes long, and it's it's really cool. And you get to, and you get to your point about voice acting and what Mark Hamill brings to it. You get to see him play every single character, and that's actually part of the plot, like the fact that he can do so many voices. And it's um. It's really it's a really cool mini episode. You should check it out. We'll we'll try to link to it in our show notes uh, because it's a perfect example of Mark Hamill's talent. And that's our episode about Christmas with the Joker. Um, our final episode of 2017. We will come back with brand new slew of episodes. Uh, before then, let's go around the horn and let folks know how they can find us and what we got coming up. Uh, and we'll start with you, Brittany. You can find me on Twitter at Hi Brittany Monet. Um, I also write for the Marvel Report, so you can go at the Marvel Report. And I also have another podcast, Black Lightning Podcast, which you can follow us at bl underscore podcast. And we just recorded two episodes the other day, so more is coming out. And yeah, yeah, and the show's coming to the CW in January, so yeah. brand new episodes of your podcast will be forthcoming as well. Yeah, we're gonna we're trying to go the weekly format. We had some issues with scheduling with everyone, but I think we've got it figured out. We'll be good. You're we're gonna have no problem with weekly format now. So, and the trailers for Black Lightning look amazing. So I can't wait to listen to oh, your yeah. podcast. I'm excited. Nick, how can people find you? Um, I'm on the Twitter at nicklangtweets.com backslash backslash nicklang. <laughs> Uh, that's not what it is. Um, I yeah, I'm on there. I I don't really tweet too much because um, I'm just so stressed out about the state of the world. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, wa- just you, go home and watch It's a Wonderful Life, and you'll feel better. You're right. It's a great film. Um, <laughs> it has its moments. It has its moments. It has its moments. <laughs> Said that man, which is the most glowing review that man um yeah so uh that's that's where you can find me awesome desiree um you can find me on twitter as boricua desiree or uh on my website uh latinasmediamusings.com what do i have i have i'm editing an yeah, you have a little, you have a little called, project you need to tell people about yeah yeah it's called puerto rico strong you can pre-order it on amazon right now actually um, and check for it in citations for in the previews magazine coming up. Um, but it's an uh, anthology with pretty much, I want to, s- majority let the next talent too. So, um, you know, in stories, the themes are like showcasing the diversity of Puerto Rico through, you know, um, culture, life, and history. So we have a lot of like fictional historical stories. I can't tell you too much because um, contracts. Uh, but um, it is, we are pushing, like, the education, so if you don't know a lot about Puerto Rico, you know, and Puerto Rican history and mythology, uh, you, we're gonna have a lot of stories for you in that, that kind of fit that vein, um, and all the proceeds, 100% of the proceeds for the anthology do go to the Hispanic Federation, um, for charity to help with, uh, Hurricane Maria relief, so, yeah, that's really exciting, that should be coming out in March. Awesome, can't wait for that. I've been Keith Chow. You can find me on Twitter at the Real Chow, and you can follow me at the Nerds of Color and my other Nerds of Color podcast at Hard Knock Media. 
In fact, Southern Fried Asian is back. We talked to Preeti Chabir in our latest episode. And our latest episode of Hard Knock Life, since this is Star Wars Weekend, please check that out. I talked to Janina Gavankar, Nick's friend, about Battlefront (laughs) 2 and being uh, the face of an all-new Star Wars franchise. Also follow the other podcasts in the DCTVpodcast.com. You can follow this one at Classics. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. Please rate and review us if you do find us there. And in the meantime, have a happy holiday. And we will see you. And a happy new year. We will see you in 2018. Until then, same pod time, same pod channel. Same pod time, same pod channel. Why is that so hard to say? Same pod time. All the acquaintance be forgot. And net fade out on this. Net- <laughs> I faded out for you. <laughs>